yeah, if you have this burning desire to to do something, to make a difference in the world, to you have this dream that you know just won't won't leave you alone, you go for it, do it. Welcome to the Responsibly Different Podcast, sharing stories and insights from people harnessing purchasing power as a force for good. Black women in the United States die disproportionately from preventable diseases. And today's guest is on a mission to help women, especially African-American women, reclaim their health through dance. Lacey Chisholm founded Fit for Dance in Brooklyn for three reasons. One, to encourage African-American women and children to take charge of their health through exercise. Two, to unify a diverse group of people through their love of dance with especial respect to understanding the role of dance in various cultures and its importance. And last, but certainly not least, to organize charitable giving and volunteer opportunities within the community, which some have included supply and toy drives, drives of sanitary products for incarcerated women, sock drives for homeless men, toiletry drives for homeless women, coat drives, and so much more. Fit for Dance has been a certified B Corp since 2016 and was a Best for the World honoree in the Changemakers category. Lacey has won numerous awards on behalf of Fit for Dance, including being named Entrepreneur of the Year by the SBA for the state of New York, was selected by American Express and iFundWomen for their national 100 for 100 program, and has been recognized multiple times by the city of New York in their Best for New York City campaigns. In today's episode, Lacey shares with us her journey with Fit for Dance that I'm sure will leave you inspired and maybe even inspire you to dust off those dancing shoes. I'm curious to get us started. What got you interested in dance? Yeah, thank you, Ben, for having me on the show. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Um, So I've been dancing for over 36 years. I love dance. My my parents said I've been dancing before I was walking. I was dancing, and it's just something that has brought me joy since I was a child. And I've loved being a part of um, dance classes. I've taken professional dance classes um, growing up. I was on the dance team in college. Uh, I dance for fun. Dance has just always, always been a part of my life. I've been a dance teacher, a cheerleading coach, a cheerleading teacher. It's just always been a part of my life and brought me so much joy. That's amazing. And can you share with us the story of Fit for Dance and and what brought you to start that? Yeah, I always wanted to own a dance studio, but wasn't sure if it was possible and definitely didn't think it was possible in New York City. I'm originally from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Um, And so my plan was to uh, moved to New York to to dance and 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 teach and get my master's degree and then move back home to South Carolina um, to open a dance studio, but that didn't happen and I ended up staying here longer than expected. I was teaching and I was an administrator of a middle school um, and still had my dance team on the side. But after teaching uh, at one particular school for seven years and, and transitioning to work for other nonprofits. I decided to 
to go for it and open a dance studio. I did a business plan competition at the library and it really helped me structure the business and figure out my actual plan. Um, if this was something I was truly going to go after and the plan really made it seem like it was doable. And I remember one of the parts of the plan was to uh, find a, a location, a storefront and do the budget and figure out how much it would cost every month for rent. And, and so I reached out to one of the uh, real estate agents and she said, well, let's just, just come see it. And in my head, I was like, well, this is just for the plan. You know, I'm not ready to open a dance studio, um, but it was in my neighborhood. It wasn't far. So I went and she was so excited about it. And she started telling people on the street, this is going to be um, Lacey's dance studio. She's going to open a dance studio here. She was telling all the neighbors, like, there's going to be a dance studio next door. And I was like, she's crazy. Like, I'm not opening a dance studio right now. I'm just getting information from this, this plan. And, you know, one day I will open a dance studio. But I didn't think I was ready at that time. But after I turned in the business plan for the competition, uh, she reached out to me a few weeks later and was like, did you finish the plan? Did you turn it in? And I was like, yes, I did. And she was like, can I see it? She was like, the, the landlord is really interested in seeing your plan. And I said, sure. And within like a week and a half, she reached out and the landlord um, said he, he wanted to make me an offer. And I was really nervous and couldn't believe that, you know, this was happening, but I did have a plan. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do it. And I had the plan, thankfully. And I was able to open our first storefront. Um, and I signed the lease in 2015, December 2015. And we opened in February 2016. And previously, I was teaching dance classes on the side and, you know, renting space here and there, but I was the only instructor. And so um, when I opened this, this storefront, I was able to hire three other instructors and one who was one of my actual dance teachers from New York, which was amazing because I just respected and admired him so much. So for him to be uh, on my staff was incredible. And then I had two other instructors uh, who were teaching yoga and, and modern dance. And I was able to have more classes. And we kept growing and we outgrew the space within a year and a half. And then we moved to a larger space um, in the same neighborhood in Crown Heights, um, just a little further west. And all of my students moved with me and we were able to expand and, and utilize a, a much bigger space. And really, we were really welcomed by the community. And it was, it was truly a blessing to be able to move into a larger space and stay in our same, in our same community. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I'm so curious. What were some challenges? Like, it, it sounds like you're like, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready. And then actually this plan, I have a plan and here's this opportunity. Um, I mean, it sounds like it was pretty seamless. What, did you run into any unexpected <laughs> things and how did you navigate that? Yeah, it was really challenging. It's actually one of the most challenging things I've ever had to deal with. Um, but people always ask me, would I do it again? Yes, yes, I would. Um, and so the most challenging thing 
have nothing to do with dance. Um, the dance is the, the easy part, the pleasurable part, but it's the operations. It's the, the construction, dealing with construction workers and renovations and you know, being a woman and usually in construction. It's usually dealing with men. And sometimes those men like to take advantage of women when they don't think that they know what's going on or what they're doing. And I've gotten taken advantage of a lot uh, with construction. In my first space, um, the top level was completely renovated and it was beautiful, but the bottom level wasn't renovated and I wanted to transform it into a dressing room space and an area where kids could be when their parents were working out and uh, we had a shower and another bathroom. And so I used the same construction workers that um, the landlord had used to renovate the top space. I assumed they were, you know, honest, reliable people. They'd done some other work in, in the neighborhood, but they were not. And they actually, instead of like, renting the the large trash bins on the street to put all the trash and construction debris in it. They actually buried the trash underneath the floor of uh, the studio in the basement. And in doing so, they disrupted some of the plumbing and, and piping and things in the basement. And Within the first couple of months, I wasn't ready to use the basement yet because I hadn't finished putting my, 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 my finishing touches on it. And one day I went down and the basement was flooding. And I was like, oh, my God, I just spent like so much money renovating this space. And now it's flooding. It wasn't just flooding a little bit. It was flooding like three, four feet of uh, water. And so trying to figure out what was going on there. And just every week, something new would happen. Water would just be coming from everywhere, not just the basement. Now it was on the top floor. Then it was from the ceiling. So water was coming in from all angles. Um, and that was really challenging because instead of being able to focus on like building community and building programs, I was always thinking about things that were going wrong in the space, the flooding and the damage and how I was going to rectify the situation with the construction workers that weren't, uh, they weren't being kind, so to speak, yeah. um, and still trying to take advantage of me. Luckily, I was able to get out of the situation and recoup some of my money and move to a new space. And I'm grateful. I am grateful for what happened because it did push me into a larger space and it allowed me to get out of my lease sooner than, than, um, expected and we'd already outgrown that space so that was a plus but even in moving to a new space I thought I had um, solidified my next space which is why I told my landlord yes I'll you know move out at this time I had a new space I was ready to go and uh, something happened with the the second space and they changed their mind and um, I was no longer able to have that space so I was in this temporary space of um, homelessness, so to speak, for my studio. I found this out like two weeks before I was supposed to move to the new space. And there was a woman walking by and she was opening a preschool and she was uh, asking for donations for her preschool. Uh, she was doing a, a fundraiser and wanted to raffle some things off. And I donated and I raffled out the private, private class 
and uh, she was really nice. And she said, you know, well, when the preschool opens, we're going to bring the kids over for a field trip. And I was like, well, hold that thought. I'll let you know where we're going to be because actually, you know, I don't have a space. We're moving in two weeks, but um, I'm still looking for another space. And she said, really interesting. And I told her what was going on. And she said, you know what? You can use my space for free until you're, you find your new space and your new space is ready. What a blessing. And so I was able to move to her preschool, which was just six blocks away. And we had our classes there temporarily. I did find a new space. Um, it was in a wonderful location. And uh, although I walked into this space and when I saw it, I was like, absolutely not. And I walked out, um, but something about it uh, grew on me. And at the time, the real estate agent and construction worker who was recommended, a different one, who was recommended by a colleague uh, said, we can get this space up and running for you. I can have it done in two months. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, I know it looks overwhelming, but we can get it done. No problem. And I said, you are absolutely sure that we can get this space up and running in two months then. Yes, if not, I want to keep looking. It was very convincing. And my colleague was like, no, they're great. You should go with them. They helped me with my studio. It's going to be great. You should go with it. It's a great location. And the only thing that was great about it was the location. Close to the train, um, high traffic area. And so I said, okay. And I started promoting that the space was going to be ready. My community was behind me. And two months later, hardly any work had been done. They were not doing what they were supposed to do. They were very slow on the job. And I keep asking about it and asking about it. They were like, yeah, well, we have this issue and this issue. We're working on it. We're working on it. So we postponed and I try to get an update. And they postponed and postponed. Then when they were doing some of the work, they noticed that um, the structure of the building was caving in. And so after they'd like, um, it was a very old building, but the, the landlord of this particular building had renovated the apartments above, but left the commercial space um, raw, which is what a lot of, of landlords do in New York. Because um, unfortunately for commercial spaces, a lot of times they expect the, the business owner to um, update the space. Some landlords are, are will white box it for you, but a lot of them expect you to kind of uh, invest a lot of money and, and, put, and get the space up to par. And so... Uh, we reached out to the landlord about that uh, the, the structure of the building caving in, and she uh, and and got the construction workers to come in and fix it. But that took an additional month to fix because it was a structural issue. Um, so now we're into uh, April of that year, and so once they fixed that part, then my construction workers came back in to fix the space still moving really slowly. And then my landlord told me, she was like, I don't really trust your construction workers. It seems like they're not really getting the job done. And I think you should, you know, go with somebody else. You know, I don't know them. I know they would recommend it to you, but it seems like, you know, they're not really um, the ones for the job. And so I kept asking them about it, staying on them. And at some point I started going over there myself and hiring other people to help. And 
I was just really upset with, with what was going on. And I was embarrassed because I trusted these people and trusted my colleague and, you know, really didn't do my due diligence in, in making sure. Um, but lots of people were telling me, like, this is most of the time, this is what construction workers do. This is their MO. And I'm like, well, it shouldn't be like that. And they're like, plus you're a woman and you look really young. Um, they're going to take advantage of you. And I was like, well, it shouldn't be that way. And uh, I reached out to a friend um, who came and sat with the construction workers and, and me. And we basically fired them from the job. And they were really upset about it. And they did not want to leave. I had to call the police to have them removed because they did not want to leave, even though they hadn't done most of the work. I still didn't have floors. I didn't have us. Uh, the ceiling wasn't done. The walls weren't done. Um, they'd done the electric, but it was subpar. I didn't have carpet. I didn't have so many things that I needed to operate. And so a friend of mine helped me out and uh, we did a lot of the work ourselves. I did not want to know that much about sheetrock and molding and, <laughs> and carpet, carpetry and uh, two-way mirrors. I didn't want to know about it, but I had no choice because I was running out of money. And so we were able to get the space ready and, you know, hiring uh, a few people here and there. But we did a lot of the work because my friend was really handy um, and had gone through some, some, some programs. And we were able to get the space up and running. And I was able to open the space uh, and have my grand opening in July of 2018. And it was truly a blessing. And, um, you know, I was going through a really rough stage between January and July because I was waiting for my space to be ready. And those six months seemed like it took forever. And I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to tell my family that I'd been taking advantage of that these, you know, construction workers had taken most of my money, that I was pretty much broke. I didn't have any money. Um, and that I, you know, I had to do these things myself, but it was, you know, something that I was really passionate about doing. And I really wanted to open my dance studio and my community let me know that they were behind me and they supported me. And so in the, the first uh, year and a half, things were going really well. We started, you know, on this really great trajectory. I was finally starting to make money in um, like, February of 2020 and then March 2020, the pandemic hit. And so what we thought was going to be just a couple weeks of you know, being out of the studio turned into a year and a half. But I am grateful because those six months of me, you know, being in between spaces and being in a, you know, a really um, dark place and really um, upset, embarrassed and trying to figure out what to do how to get the money, how to, to, to push forward. It helped me deal with the pandemic because I'd already been in a space like that where I had to just figure it out and, you know, transition and pivot. And, you know, when the pandemic hit, it was like, you know, something else just clicked in me like, well, we have to go virtual. So within a week and a half, we were completely virtual and that sustained us throughout the pandemic, um, which I'm truly grateful for. And, I was really uh, resourceful in seeking out grants and seeking out um, 
support groups for entrepreneurs and just really being innovative and keeping my community engaged through uh, virtual activities, through virtual dance classes. And, you know, we still did all of the same things that we were doing while in the studio, just virtually. And all of our charitable projects, we still did. They mailed the toys to me for the toy drive instead of us coming together. Um, and we took turns and doing the gift wrapping so we could, you know, stay six feet apart in my apartment. And we were still able to keep that same momentum going. We started having outdoor classes when it was it, it became warm and we did classes on the rooftop of the museum. And I was really just motivated to keep it going and figure out how to sustain the business, even though it just seems like we would never get out of this 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 pandemic stage. Um, so yes, those challenges were 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 great, um, and it was really hard to sometimes see uh, the the finish line or see what you know the future could hold because sometimes you get into this space of well, you know, is this is this really going to work out for me? Um, are people really ever going to come back inside? Or is this pandemic ever going to go away? Am I going to have m- enough money to pay my rent? I was even in the space of thinking of, of giving up the studio space during the pandemic because I still had to pay rent in a space that I, I didn't I didn't own the space and I was still paying almost $6,000 a month for rent and we weren't able to utilize the space. And in the pandemic, just didn't seem like it was a smart idea to do that. So I did try to get out of the lease. And luckily, my uh, landlord had a change of heart. And since I had been paying the rent, um, I'd never been late with my rent um, in the entire time that I had the lease. And during the pandemic, I was still paying the rent up until um, the, the end of, of 2020. Uh, she gave me a break on paying the rent from January until I was able to be open again in July of 2021, and then gave me a reduced rent from um, July 2021 until July 2022. And so truly grateful for that. And now we're back and it's it's starting to feel like, like the old days again. People are coming back to classes and you know, people are excited about being together again. And so I'm just really hopeful. And, you know, I appreciate, although when I was going through it, I did not appreciate, but I appreciate the challenges um, because it just made me a stronger person. And it really uh, helped me realize that this is a dream that, that, that I love and that I'm going to continue to push through to, to, to be successful and and keep this 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 dream alive and just grateful for my community for sticking by me and grateful for uh, my myself and my strong will and being able to persevere and, and not give up on it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And do you you still are you still doing virtual classes? Like I'm thinking if folks are listening and they're like, oh, I'd love to check out a class, but I'm not in New York. Yes, yes, we're still doing virtual classes. So. Just really grateful for that, too. Uh, we have uh, virtual classes and hybrid classes where the classes that are going on in the studio um, at the same time as the virtual classes and then strictly virtual classes, live virtual classes. And then we have on-demand 
uh, classes as well. So students are still able to, to log in and, and dance with us no matter where they are. And we met some really amazing people during the pandemic uh, from all around the country and all around the world. So we're grateful that we were able to keep them even when we reopened. And it brought in an additional stream of revenue, too. So it's really supporting the business and keeping us going. That's amazing. That's amazing. And also, from when you started, you were a B Corp almost right off the bat. I think you certified in 2016, which is right when you opened. Yeah. How how did you hear about B Corp? Why why did it feel important? I'd love to hear about that. Yeah, I always uh, admired B Corp uh, companies like you know Seventh Generation and Toms, and there was an initiative in New York City called Best for NYC. And one of the best for NYC uh, fellows, who was also a B Corp fellow, was working in the Brooklyn Outreach Center. And it was the Women's Business Outreach Center that I worked with really closely. And I actually met them during that uh, public uh, Brooklyn Public Library competition. My advisor uh, was from this center. And so I continued to work with them um, throughout my journey, still work with them. They're, they're amazing. And they had a Best for NYC and B Corp fellow, and they nominated me for this Best for NYC award. And they wanted to do um, a feature on me. And as they were talking to me, they were like, you know what? You actually qualified to be a B Corp. Have you ever thought about it? And I was like, really? I was like, yeah, I would love to be a B Corp. And they said, well, we'll help you get certified. And you know, they told me the score I needed to make. And at that time, I was the only dance studio. And so I was really excited. And because I pretty much run um, Fit for Dance, like it's a nonprofit, but I am a for-profit, um, it just seemed perfect. And I wanted to be held accountable and also know that the the way I was running the business was um, sustainable. It helped the environment. It helped the economy, it helped the employees, it helped my community. And to have this certification uh, was just an honor. And I was just really grateful and, and being able to to be a part of so many amazing companies around the world that were using their business as a force for good. It was just uh, truly amazing and, and truly an honor to be a part of that and to, to still be a part of it. I'm grateful to still be at B Corp and love when people come into the studio who know what B Corp is and see the, the plaque and they're like, wow, you're a B Corp? That's amazing. Um, and then the, the opportunities that, that have come with it and the people that I've met and even during the pandemic, they allowed me to take over their Instagram page and 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 post and um, do a live class. And you know, I've been to uh, the B Corp retreat and met some really amazing people. And it's just, um, it's been a great experience. That's amazing. That's so awesome. And yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that too, about kind of your mission and and kind of vision for Fit for Dance. Uh, did you ever consider being a nonprofit? Or, and, and if so, how did you kind of navigate that decision? I know that's something that uh, comes up for a lot of folks that are looking to have an impact on the world through whatever their passion is. Yeah, I did actually. I, I thought about, being a nonprofit when I first started. And actually, when I was thinking about starting Fit for Dance, um, I was doing it with um, a colleague of mine, and I wanted to be a nonprofit. And at that time, she didn't 
and I kind of just folded and you know and said, oh well, I guess I'll just be a, a, a for profit and you know possibly have a nonprofit arm later. And I'd worked for a lot of nonprofits um, previous uh, to, to to starting Fit for Dance, um, and the colleague that I was working with at the time. Um, she didn't continue to uh, have Fit for Dance uh, or be a part of Fit for Dance anymore. So when that happened, I was like, oh, I should have just been a nonprofit. But then when I heard about B Corp, I was like, oh, well, I'll just do this instead. And then I talked to several people and they were like, oh, well, you know, you don't have to, to worry about, you know, as much paperwork. You don't have to have a board. And, you know, it's probably, probably best. So I would get lots of different opinions about whether or not to be a nonprofit and I figured being a B Corp was was a happy medium. And I'm still I still haven't given up on the possibility of having a nonprofit arm for Fit for Dance, especially for our children's program and, and other charitable things that we do. And I've even joined a board now just so I can uh, see what it's like firsthand to be a part of a, a successful board of a nonprofit in case that is a possibility for me uh, and for Fit for Dance. So I'm, I'm grateful for, for that opportunity as well. And so now I'm like, you know, figuring out and being on the inside of a, a successful nonprofit and being on the board. So if I do choose to go that route in the future, um, I'm getting that experience. That's smart. That's smart. Love that. I'm curious too. You kind of touched on it a little bit. What does I, I, and something that I love about Fit for Dance and I admire about you and your work is that so much of the work you do. Not only are you helping people move their bodies, which is of course healthy in and of itself, but you're also building community. Can you share a little bit about some of that that some of that community work that that you've been doing and and kind of why those pieces are also important to you? Yeah, definitely. So I started Fit for Dance for three reasons. The first, as you said, to encourage um, women, especially African-American women, to take charge of their health through dance and fitness because African-American women are dying at really unhealthy rates more than anyone else of preventable diseases like high blood pressure, uh, diabetes, and um, high cholesterol. And that's something that I used to struggle with as well, which encouraged me to, to dance and move and to get back into fitness. The second reason was to provide a safe space for children to be able to dance and feel confident and meet other people. And the third reason was to um, unite the community and have charitable projects, being able to bring the community together to work on projects that would support the immediate community um, and the larger community as well. I felt like because I have this platform of amazing people, mostly women, um, we have some men as well, but mostly women, that um, it's my duty to be able to share social justice initiatives and really projects that are really important to the community so that we can work on them together. So things that I'm really passionate about, I love children. I'm a former teacher and administrator. So we always adopt a school um, during the holidays and provide toys to all the kids in that particular school. During the holidays, when it gets cold, we do sock drives and coat drives for the homeless. We've done linens and comforters, uh, comforters and bedding drives uh, during the winter. We've done 
we always do. We always work with We Deliver Period to do sanitation drives for incarcerated women, for homeless women, for homeless teens. Um, and that brings awareness because a lot of people don't even think about the number of women who just can't afford um, sanitary products or the women that are incarcerated who don't have access to something like sanitary products, which just seems like that would just be a given and it's not. So to be able to, to start those conversations and bring awareness around that um, and, you know, people come into the studio and they see like 500 boxes of tampons and pads stacked up and they're like what are you doing are you selling pads and tampons they're like no actually then we go into our spiel that's been amazing and getting the community around that we anytime we're able to support uh the community we we, we do it um the board that I'm on, the Brooklyn Community Services, we usually work with them. So before I became a board member, I just recently became a board member a few months ago, but I would always reach out to them and ask them what projects they had going on. They're one of the, the oldest and, and most successful nonprofits who help high-need communities, which is something that I'm really passionate about. And so I asked them, what do y'all have going on? How can we help? I've done classes in their domestic violence shelters, some classes for the kids um, in transitional housing, just lots of different projects and projects that our students are passionate about as well. We've done uh, classes in juvenile justice centers and uh, we've done classes in, in, in jails and just places that need joy. We like to, to, to bring that joy and, and be a support. Um, so, we do a lot of work in the community, um, within our immediate community and, and outside of it as well. And um, we raise money for different organizations. Um, we also have uh, fun activities within the community too, like karaoke and sip and paints. And we'll use those donations to support our children's program so that we can provide dance classes to children in the neighborhood that can't afford it as well. Um, we also reach out to the women in our community to ask for donations for the kids program. And they're always help, you know, they're always excited to, to donate and to support. And so we're just really grateful to be able to do that. That's amazing. I, I'm curious, do you have any, um, like favorite moments or or memories that were just really impactful from the work that you that you've done that that you that you'd share with the audience. One one time I was teaching in uh, the juvenile justice center uh, for teens ages uh, thirteen to eighteen, and I'd been working with this one group of girls for four weeks, so fairly new, um, just once a week. And they got really excited when I would come there. And one time when I came, they told uh, one of the young ladies that she couldn't take my class because she had a, a family visit. And she said, what? No way. No, 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 no. I have to take class. I have to take class. Um, I'm going to skip my family visit today. And they were like, you can't skip your family visit. You only get visits, you know, you only get visits like 
you know, once a week and your family travel to see you. So you have to go. And she's like, no, I refuse. I want to take dance class. And, you know, in my head, I was like, wow, she would skip her family meeting to take dance class with me. Um, that was really uh, powerful for me because, you know, I didn't, I hadn't known her that long. We'd only been working together for, you know, a few weeks and she was so excited about dance and she didn't want to miss it. And she would rather miss a family meeting. And so they were, you know, telling her like, no, you have to go. And so I said, well, let's make a deal. How about you do 15 minutes of dance with me and you can choose the songs and then you go to, with you, you know, to, to your family visit because, you know, that's, that's respectful of their time. And I understand you want to dance with me, but I promise I'll be back next week. And maybe I can even come an additional day, but how about we do 15 minutes and then you go. Um, and we were able to, to, to work it out. She did 20 minutes, but uh, we were able to work it out. Uh, but that was really powerful and, and meaningful for me because I didn't even think she liked it that much. Uh, you know, prior to that moment, you know, because sometimes kids, especially teens, will put on this facade that, you know, it's okay. It's not really that important to me. Like, we're just dancing. Um, but I could tell in that moment that this was something that was really important for her and really valuable for her. And, you know, I don't take it for granted when I go in and work with kids or um, adults or even senior citizens. I love working with senior citizens. Um, and they're one of my favorite groups to work with as well that, you know, this is really important for them and it's, you know, something that they need. It brings them joy and for something to me that's just so natural and just fun and oftentimes it doesn't feel like work. Um, and so if I'm able to come in and bring joy to someone and it's not even, you know, it's not taking a lot of energy from me, it's, um, it's not hard for me. And if I'm able to do that and bring joy to someone's life and make a difference, then that just, it means the world to me to be able to do that. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. And and speaking of, of senior citizens, you recently received two Sukasa grants funded by the New York City Council to provide dance classes to senior citizens. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I love working with seniors. I, this is my my fifth fifth or sixth year receiving this grant from the Brooklyn Arts Council to work in senior centers. And um, the first year I received it, I was uh, at a senior citizen uh, center in Cypress Hills in Brooklyn. And I fell in love with them the, the first day that I was there. And it was just pure joy being able to dance with the seniors and uh, most of them I had you know seniors ranging in age from 65 to 94 and they were they just brought me so much life and so much joy and they told me that I made them feel young and they just really look forward to my class every day and um, after the grant was over uh, the senior center was like we can't we can't lose you we need you so they hired me and um, so I've, I'm still working there. Um, I've been working there for, yeah, like for the past six years at the same center. And I've received the grant uh, every year. And I've been at that center and I've been at three other centers. And um, I've 
been hired to work at many of these centers uh, on several occasions. Um, Pre-pandemic, I was working at two centers regularly, um, but I was going into at least four centers. And um, I was working with seniors almost every day. And uh, we also do a performance uh, for the grant. And it was beautiful because we get T-shirts, we perform, uh, we eat lunch together, we have a celebration, um, we have a DJ, we have a party. And it was just truly amazing. And we became a family. So most of those seniors at this particular center I've known for six years. So they've really become part of my family. And some of those seniors, they came to my grand opening of the studio. They met my parents. Um, they met my family members. They met people at the studio. They're just really uh, um, amazing people. And it was really hard during the pandemic because um, in the beginning, I lost lost touch with a lot of them, but I was able to get the Sucasa grant during the pandemic as well. And it was virtual um, many of the, the seniors at my particular center um, weren't on the virtual uh, platform, but I met a lot of other seniors um, and I met seniors from from all over. And uh, I even uh, uh, met some seniors in Colorado and their director reached out to me and said, hey, some of my seniors have been taking this virtual class with you. And so we wanted to know if we could hire you to teach virtual classes to our seniors in this assisted living um, community. And I said, of course. And so I've been working with, with them. I'm still working with them. I've been working with them throughout the pandemic for, for almost a year now. And um, I have another center um, that I'm working with. So as of right now, I teach I teach seniors. I teach five senior classes a week. Um, three of them are virtual and um, two of them are in person. But the Sukasa grant, um, I'm just so grateful for that because that opened the door into me being able to work with seniors um, and finding so much, so much joy um, from them. It's, it's amazing. I love, 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 love working with them. Oh, that's beautiful. I love it. Um, looking back, all the way back to 2016 to the, to the very beginning and the idea of the plan, the whole thing would have been some of your favorite moments or most rewarding experiences. Uh, favorite moments, um, the ribbon cutting and grand opening at uh, both locations. Uh, my parents are in South Carolina. Um, and so they were able to come up for both of those occasions. So it was amazing um, to be able to share that moment with, my family and make them proud of you know their baby girl uh, opening a dance studio in New York City. Uh, New York City is a scary place to people in the South, so uh, this is a, re- a really big deal. And um, another um, amazing moment, um, being able to recover from the pandemic and reopen in the same space was amazing. During the pandemic, I received an award from uh, iPhone Women and American Express. I was chosen to be um, one of their 100 Black women from around the country to receive a $25,000 grant and support for the business. That truly helped. 
Um, I was really grateful for that opportunity and for that recognition. And it really gave me that motivation and that push to keep going. Really grateful for, uh, in 2020, I was chosen to be the SBA Young Entrepreneur of the Year and uh, for the state of New York. That was an amazing push and um, jolts. Um, that was the inspiration and motivated I needed to really keep going and propel me forward. Um, that was an amazing moment. Uh, that women's, the Women's Business Outreach Center that I told you about, um, where I first learned of uh, B Corp, they granted me Entrepreneur of the Year for their organization in um, 2018. And it was in these, now that I'm, going through these, it was in these moments of me being unsure of if I'm doing the right thing, um, am I going to get through it, that I would get an award that really motivated me. So in 2018, that's when I was moving to the new space, trying to figure out where I was going. And that's when Women's Business Outreach Center um, in Canada gave me the award for Entrepreneur of the Year. And that was the push I needed to say, yes, Lacey, keep going. And then in 2020, with um, the the SBA giving me the uh, Entrepreneur of the Year for the state of New York, that was another push to be like, keep going, even though there's a pandemic, keep going. And with American Express um, backing me and choosing me out of millions of women as their top 100, that was another push, keep going. And so in all of these moments, um, just keep going and the awards that I received uh, were just really motivating. I'm really grateful for. And then the support of my community. Many of my students have been with me since before I even knew I'd have a studio in New York. Since, you know, I was volunteering and teaching dance classes through Shape Up NYC or from when I was their child's teacher. I've had children that you know, I taught in elementary, middle, and high school who are now in college or graduated college that are now back in their students um, at the studio, or they are, have been my summer youth employees. They've worked at the studio, so it's it's full circle, um, or now I'm their mentor. Um, so it's just been really, I'm just really grateful for the community that I've been able to build at Fit for Dance, especially since I'm not from New York. I grew up in South Carolina. I went to college in North Carolina. I moved to, to New York in uh, 2006. Didn't expect to be here long. But being able to form real friendships, real relationships, um, and real community with people that, that support me and and are always there for me, always asking me, how can we help? How can we support? It's just been really grateful. And um, anytime I call on my community, they're there. Uh, and I'm just super grateful for for everything and, and all of the experiences that I've been able to have with Fit for Dance. It's helped me as much as it's helped other people. People are always like, Fit for Dance changed my life. Um, you have no idea how much it's changed my life. But it's truly changed my life as well. It's um, what I needed uh, and it's what I would have needed had I not opened Fit for Dance and I not been the founder of Fit for Dance. This would have been the place that I was looking for and what I needed in my life. That's amazing. And with everything, all the 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 challenges and the 
good all of it in between. What advice do you have for folks listening that, you know, also have a passion and want to figure out how they can utilize it as a force for good in the world? Yeah, if you have this burning desire to to do something, to make a difference in the world, to you have this dream that, you know, just won't won't leave you alone, you go for it. Do it. Plan it out. Uh, write it down. I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in manifesting. Write it down. Reach out to people that are doing something similar to you. Talk to them about their journey. Um, take advantage of the resources that are there wherever you are. New York has amazing resources. Um, join support groups for entrepreneurs and find out as much information as you can about whatever it is that you're starting and um, read over it every single day. Write it down, read over it. Um, You got to start, start, even if it's volunteering somewhere um, at a place that's doing something similar or um, listening to podcasts or taking advantage of, of workshops and um, figuring out ways to get involved. Go for it and don't give up. Save your money. Uh, figure out how you can budget because um, depending on what you're doing, it's not it's not always it's not the easiest thing to do in the world and you want to make sure you have enough money to sustain you and support you. Um, especially if you're, you know, you're like, I'm just going to quit my job and, and, and go for it. You know, you could do that, uh, but be smart about it. Because uh, what you don't want to happen is you struggle so much that you burn out and uh, you say, you know, forget it. I can't do this. I'm going back to my nine to five where I know I'm going to have a paycheck coming in every two weeks and it's safe and I have health insurance and I have this. Um, So save your money, figure out a plan and be smart about it. And it's doable. If it's something that won't leave you alone at night and you're always thinking about it and you want to do it, then don't let that dream die. Figure out a way to do it. Get a mentor and make it happen. I love that. So I have to ask, can anybody dance? And what advice do you have for folks uh, that are just getting started with dance? Yes, everybody can dance. Dance is for everyone. And uh, I encourage everyone to dance, even if they think they have two left feet. That's okay. Um, One of the things I love about Fit for Dance is that we are a really warm and welcoming environment because I know dance can be very intimidating. Um, especially if you're not feeling confident or you had a really traumatic experience growing up and you're like, nope, not doing that again. I meet people that say that all the time. They're like, "Eh, mm -mm. Um, I'll just stand right here. I'll stand on the wall. I might hit a two-step, but I'm not dancing. I'm not good at choreographed dances. Don't want to do it. Not interested. No, no, no. But I encourage you to do it. And I encourage Everyone, try something new, even if it scares you, even if you feel like you're not going to be good at it, you should do it. And especially you should do it at Fit for Dance because we love new people. We love people that say, I don't know how to dance. I can't do that because there's there's this freedom that comes with letting go and just being free, not worrying about what you would like in the mirror, 
not worrying about what anybody thinks about you, not worrying about if you're going right and, and the teacher's going left, you're going up, they're going down, just being comfortable, being free in your body and being able to move it is such a, a blessing. It is such a gift to be able to move. So don't be afraid. You can do it. Everybody can dance. I love that. Any parting words of wisdom or things you want to share with folks that we haven't yet? Um, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, wow, is this really what I'm doing? Is this is really my life. I'm really waking up to do what I love. I'm really waking up to be able to dance. I can, you know, make my own schedule. Of course, you know, there are days and nights where I'm like up all night and I'm, you know, working on paperwork and doing all of these things that might not be um, fun, but I love it. And I always tell people, you know, you work really hard for other companies. You work really hard for other people. When you have a job, you'll work, work, work work hard and long hours and you'll do everything you can to make sure that you get a good, you know, rating on your review and, you know, you do what you can to get a promotion and a raise and to move up. And if you are willing to work that hard for someone else and you have a dream and a passion to do something on your own, then you should be willing to work that hard for yourself and you can do it. So I always tell people, um, especially if you're an overachiever and a perfectionist and you're always like you know, that one at the job that's doing all the things and you're, you're the CEO, you're, you're the vice president, you're always moving up in the ranks. If there's something else that you want to do, you can do it. You can jump. You can fly. Um, do it. Don't be afraid. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. As always, I've got links to where you can learn more about Lacey and Fit for Dance in the show notes, which you can find on responsiblydifferent.com or in the link from your podcast player. I also have some really big and exciting news to share with you all. We are officially B Corp certified and members of 1% for the planet. Both have been two years in the making, and we're thrilled to continue our journey of impact together with you, our listeners. Till next time, be responsibly different. This episode was produced by yours truly, Ben Marine. Music was composed and performed by Kevin Oates. This podcast is brought to you by our parent company, Dirigo Collective. To learn more about Dirigo Collective, visit dirigocollective.com. To explore other episodes and resources from Responsibly Different, visit responsiblydifferent.com.